To another episode of Hobby Nate in Canada. I'm your host Tom, and with me, as always, are Dan, Mike, and Steve. And no war today. No. So, uh, in in being fair and fair play amongst all of our recordings, I just have one thing to get off my chest. Fuck Ward. Yeah, fuck Ward. Yeah. Apparently, it's the thing we're doing now. Yeah. Yes, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I've been told that I was the the butt end of that one last episode. Yeah, but you were in Hawaii. It was minus twenty five and windy. So. Yeah, fuck Steve. <laughs> yeah, I guess Ward's working outside in the cold right now, so... Yeah, it's, it's only like minus 8 right now or something like that. I think it's 11 or 12 right now. So he'll live. Well, he's getting paid right now and we're not, so we can be mad at him for that. But we have Ooh. a merchandise store, so we are getting paid literally pennies at most. Unless people wanted to actually go to our thre- our Threadless page and get all kinds of swag. Yes. And this shameless plug. This is a great opportunity for the shameless plug. You can get anything ranging from t-shirts to coffee mugs. There's even little, like, totes for where you can probably put paintbrushes in or yeah. like pencils, pencils or yeah. Um And for all of you Canadians, there's going to be beach towels as well because beach season's coming up. And right. it's only a few months, so you may as well be the coolest kid with the coolest beach towel at Sylvan Lake. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be one of our listeners somewhere in the world that had to Google Sylvan Lake right now, and it's like, just does not understand. Or Alberta Beach. <laughs> like, let's go to fucking Wobbleman, boys! Get some beaver fever. <laughs> <laughs> On a good day, it's just Swimmer's Itch. Yeah, that's like best case scenario. Uh, I remember the first time I got Swimmer's Itch, I didn't really, like, know it was much of a thing. I was, like, eight or nine years old, went to the lake at Hardesty. Oh, yeah, that'll happen. There's so much, like, farm runoff, I'm guessing. Oh, tons. <laughs> you basically just, like, your body becomes septic. Oh, God, that's awful. It's, it's horrifying. Um, <laughs> On that note. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> back to talking about hobby things. That was our little Canadiana moment for you, so I hope Albertans appreciated us just shitting on Albertan lakes. <laughs> yeah, they're great. And full They're of great. shit. <laughs> yeah, most of them are full of shit now. That's true. That's true. Um, okay, so on the topic of not full of shit, uh, Steve, what did you get done in the last couple weeks? Uh, not as much, but I did manage to get, uh, not as much, I guess, compared to, like, pre-LVO prep kind of thing is still what I'm thinking about. But I did manage to get three Custodes jet bikes assembled, so the Virtus Praetors. Um, got them assembled and got them all base-coated, all the sub-assemblies done, Started doing brushwork on them, and they're going to paint up crazy fast because they're just mostly gold. And gold is super easy to airbrush and make it look really good. So that makes me really think, like, when you said that, um, as someone that didn't really play 40K for, you know, better part of a decade yep. and is getting back into it, I at least, like, would talk to you guys or, like, be a little bit up to in the know of what was going on. Sure. Could you imagine had you had zero contact with 40K for 10 years and someone who was playing 40K now... Wanted to like talk to you about 40k and oh, start yeah. talking about like the names of things, and you'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, everything has super weird names now. But I mean, in fairness, like ten years ago, they were reintroducing, like not reintroducing, they were reintroducing the Necrons and introducing the Tau. So all that stuff had new names. Like if you were a Rogue Trader player, that you'd was be 15 like, "15 years ago, 15 years ago, exactly." And if you were a Rogue <laughs> Trader player, you would have been like, 
this is all confusing to me. Like, I don't think it's that crazy. No, but what if you were a guard player ten years ago, and someone's sure. like, I play Astral Militarum. Is that what they're called? Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Fair enough. That's like the that. first yeah, time yeah, I yeah. haven't <laughs> fucked that up. Yeah. Um, like, I want to play with my, oh, I cannot even think of their names now. Uh, what were the, the Kazurkin? And now you're like, what are, what are Kazurkin? Do you mean Tempestus Scions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay. Or like, I want to use my Space Marine, what, what the fuck are the primary things even called? There's like the Hell. Intercessors. And intercessors. Interceptors. Hell Blasters. Aggressors. Aggressors. Yeah, I don't even. I still don't even know what they all are. Primaris Captain in Mark Ten Gravis armor. Yeah. Oh, he's covered in Gravis. He's like the KFC of Space Marines. Yeah, that was a shitty joke. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, Mike, what about you, man? Okay, let's see. Um, I've assembled all my Blight War stuff finally. Um, It's all put together. It's primed, and it's got the chrome coat on it for the uh, candy armor. Uh, what else did I get done? I got um, 15 Heli Blasters put together, primed, and coded with chrome. I got the Repulsor put together, primed, and coded. I got the Dreadnought almost done now. Um, the Redemptor? The Redemptor, yep, yes. Okay. And we got to use the correct names. Robots High Gilliman is now assembled, put together, shaded, and ready for his... I thought it was Ro- Robiti Gullyman. Okay, whatever. Now I'm thinking of it as Luke Robitaille Gullyman. <gasps> oh my god! Could it, could it just always be Luke Robitaille Gullyman? guy, okay? Bobby just shut G. up. Bobby G, there we go. There you go. No, no, this one's like straight up hockey reference. Okay, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Could have much more mullet this way. <gasps> so much mullet. Continue, Mike. He'd never score as much as Lindros. I'm listening. And I put together <laughs> Mortarian... Primed them and started on his wings. And the wings look really good. I like the initial like airbrush pattern. I'm yep. assuming it yep. was laid out. Yep, it's a little tiny photo picture. Seen them yet. No, you haven't. They look you've very been moth-like. Me, so I didn't show you. They look very moth-like. <laughs> Are you gonna go full crazy like that one guy that did the moth wings with? Uh, with the, the oh eyes fuck on? no! That is. The, yeah. Okay. There's something wrong with that guy. It looks. Fucking incredible, but there's something wrong with that guy. Is it the same guy that did the... Uh, Who adds reflections into an eye on a, on a... Sorry. There was a guy that did, like, the full rainbow wings on Magnus? No, not... Or yes, was it Fate I know, Weaver? I know what you're talking about, but not that. This is, uh... Yeah, <clears throat> the, this guy, like, painted, like, moth eyes on it, but then did, like, a scene of reflections into, like, the moth, like... Oh, that's really spots. cool. But yeah, that's that looks very similar to the beginning of like what uh, that sort of model. So you're only like eighty more steps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give or take, you're fine. Anything else? Um, or are you or are you good to move on? I think you can move on now. Oh, Ooh. yeah. How about you? I finished painting up a couple of the. Oh, I lied. Oh, I finished the dwarfs and started Skaven for Shade Spire. There we go. Now I'm done. Go ahead. That makes. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna take a minute. <laughs> no, I'll remember something okay. else. I won't say anything. Okay. okay. So I finished up um, the first couple of sniper scouts that I had sitting around my painting table for the last couple months. Uh, so I got them all. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that could be, could have been years. Well, they were in a case for years, and then they were <laughs> on the table for I months. I knew it. <laughs> so nice. I got them finished up and varnished, and then I went, where the fuck are the other ones from this squad? So I spent about half of a day going through boxes and army cases and everything, trying to were find these models. Uh, they were all started, like, half-painted, like, an eternity ago. Gotcha. But I pulled out two from the squad randomly, like, six months ago to play a game of, um, what is it called? The Shadow War Armageddon? Yep. So I needed two yep. sniper rifles for that game, so I pulled them out. But then I couldn't remember where I got them from or where the fuck they went. So I went on that, like, wild goose chase full of, like, 
10 different battle foam bags and got out my old like hard shell GW cases, went through so many cases trying to find these like four models. Did you I, find them? Eventually. Nice. I feel like your quest for finding a specific Space Marine model would be like Homer Simpson's peyote trip. Just like really confusing <laughs> and you're not sure how you get to the finish, but eventually it happens. Weird spirit animals. Yeah. It's just more Space Marines or your spirit animals. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty much. But uh, so yeah, there was that. I um, finished up the conversion for um, Logan Grim, or not Logan Grim, not Ragnar Blackmane that I gave to a friend for his birthday. Yep, looks good. Because he's always been a big Space, space Wolf plan, or fan, and uh, he's always had a thing for Ragnar Blackmane. But that original model... He's so buff. That original model is so terrible. By modern standards, he is so bad. Uh, yeah, but it's one of those things where I still... I still get, like, nostalgia for that model, because it was pretty cool back in the day. Oh, it was good in 1996. Yeah. Yeah, I get exactly. nostalgic for Thundercats. It doesn't make it a good show. <laughs> <laughs> True, but it's a little different when it's a model. But is it, <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm going to say Thundercats is a little different than Ragnar Black. Is it, though? <laughs> yes. I feel like yes. Thundercats is exactly Ragnar Blackmane. I haven't watched Thundercats in a long time, but I did rewatch an episode of He-Man a couple months ago. It is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Now imagine that and worse. <laughs> okay. 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 I am so glad See, once I again, <laughs> Once again, I think Ragnar Blackman probably better of the way you're selling it. <laughs> is he though? But yeah, so I got him all converted up using... The basis for that conversion was the Krom model that originally came in that like uh, campaign box for 40k a few years back. For Which a long one? time, he wasn't available separately. Which one are we talking about? Krom? Uh, he's a Space Wolf character that's got like the pistol, the cloak, a, force, a frost axe off to the side. I do not remember that model at all. Oh, I know that but guy. But a lot of the detailing on that model was actually like eerily similar to Ragnar Blackmane. Like his um, belt of rust is basically exactly the same. He's got like the, the wolf head pelt on the same shoulder. His bolt pistol has the same um, diamond pattern on it, that sort of a thing. There are a lot of like fairly specific... Um, pieces that match the Ragnar model and then there were a number of areas like head swaps and carving off a few details shaving them flat where they needed to be to match the old model his big back batter and totem thing had to get cut off so like there was a lot of this and you know custom sculpted another shoulder pad but I did all the conversion work for Nathan because that's not his forte in the hobby great painter uh, not as proficient with the conversions but um, yeah I figured that'd be a fun 40k project where he hasn't painted anything 40k in a long time so that uh, might give him a little bit of uh, cool, yeah, enthusiasm, some impetus to maybe grab the old models out of storage and uh, play a game once in a while. And yeah, that's the real key. Get him playing some games. Eighth is great. And yeah, it's. I think he's played one starter game of Eighth Edition uh, with his Minotaurs before he sold them for like an obscene amount of money. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that was that was mostly. It. I think there's there's something else too. But I've been working on a couple little things, um, sitting on my painting too. Now that I've got all these paint handles. I just like randomly sticking models on them and occasionally painting them. It's great. Got Got handles. Cool. Tom, how about you? I painted a dwarf. (laughs) How how was the... Okay, before we get to the the dwarf, how's the Nurgle coming? Slowly. I'll be honest, work has been a complete nightmare for the last two weeks. Okay. okay. So I haven't got a lot of progress. I I guess since the last time I saw you... Yeah, it's been a while. um, And I told the listeners that there was a decent amount of progress. I saw a lot of things were undercoated. Yeah. I got like half the army fully airbrushed when I nice. started in. The Nurglings are almost done for two units. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, a buddy of mine, uh, Luke, was wanting to get like a one of the Shadespire gangs painted up uh, by all of his friends. 
and he asked me if I'd be willing to do one, and I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. And then That's proceeded kind of to be like... That's fun to do one-off model. Yeah, I hadn't really... Done, I don't think I painted a dwarf, a Games Workshop dwarf, in a really long time. I think, like, the last time was when I was working for the store, and we did a dwarf army. Yep. And... It, they're nice. It actually... Doing up that one made me kind of want to do up the dwarves for Shadespire, because... They painted up really quick. And you're going to have to basically paint up so many models. What is it? Five? Four. 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 There you go, yeah. Four models. I was going to say there'd be low model count. I didn't think they'd be three, like the Stormcast, but yeah, four. No, and it, <laughs> they were, it was a great model to paint up. Uh, it painted up fast. Because really... Are they mostly armor? Because they're the... No, the, no, no, no. They're mostly naked flesh. Naked babies. Okay, so they're not like the Zeppelin... They're more like no, troll no. slayers. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, they're, they're basically gotcha. just troll slayers. Yep. So, with uh, with beards. Oh, they're the f- the fire slayers or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but it was really fun. I got to try out oh. using the gloss, um, Agrax Earth Shade. Yeah. For the first time, that was air quotes because he refuses to call it Agrax. It's always been Devil and Mud in his mind. For well, listeners, because I just that's just, okay. It's okay. I still call on. black chaos black. Let's move along. It's okay. Just, yeah. Just saying. It's, Skull white and chaos black. It's okay. It's all right. right. It's, it's, Come on. Confessions of a longtime GW painter. Yeah, absolutely. But I did the, for the gold, I did the 50-50 mix of the um, Agrax Earthshade <laughs> and <laughs> the uh, the gloss one. Yeah. And then their... Drukai Dr- Violet. Drukai Violet. Yeah. And it was... And that would be the matte one. Yes, the regular one. Yeah, I don't think they do a gloss file. No, I don't. So the point do is that. though that you're cutting the the Agrax gloss with another. Yeah, and getting that Agrax mixed with purple just right over the. Yep. Is Retributor armor the darker yep. one of the yep. two? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, looked almost like as far as tabletop golds would go, like almost yep. done right there. Yep. No, I've always maintained that purple over gold, cut with like a different color depending on what tone you're going for. Like Caribou Crimson with uh, with purple can make like a super bright gold. Reckon yeah. Flesh Aid is my weapon of choice for that. It's a good yeah. one. Um, but gold is super easy to paint well. Like, it's one of those things where you can paint it and then wash it and basically call it done in most cases. Like For detail wanna... work, anyways. If it's, like, a larger sure, plate, yeah. you might want to do a little bit more. But, yeah, but it was Even that... so, you can airbrush in the shades with that exact same mix, and it's so easy to do. Yeah. So, anyways. But that was really great, super fast, and I was really impressed. Like, it was one of the first times I've used one of the shades... And I've actually enjoyed how it went on. A little bit off topic. Has anybody used the Retributor Armor spray yeah. that GW produces? I Is it good? I bought it's, it. I haven't it's used good. it yet. It's, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it gives you a really smooth finish. Interesting. I mean, it's not as good as an Alclad gold. Sure. But, I mean, nobody wants to do Alclad gold because it's all alcohol-based and well, yeah. it's up your airbrush for a good time, too. So here's the question. Yeah. Is it as good as if you airbrushed Retributor Armor itself? Yes, Interesting, because that's wow. what I just did. Like it's it. not quite a hundred percent color matched. Is the only thing. It's close, but it's not a hundred percent. Is it lighter or darker? I lighter, don't remember I think, off the top of my head. I think it's a little lighter. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little bit less brown. Yeah, that could be okay for the way that I do things. But if I'm, you're I'm washing guessing, it, if you're washing it anyway, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Because I usually it's not yeah. enough of a color difference that after a wash you airbrush in your tell. shades and a wash and then a, another airbrush highlight. Like bam, you're probably pretty close, anyways. I bought it specifically to do the globes on the Keratin Rewards because mm-hmm. they're mostly gold for what I'm doing. So, yeah. Black. Because yeah. it was interesting because doing those custodes, I airbrushed all the Retributor and it was a pain in the ass to get good coverage with that over black. Mm-hmm. Um, like surprisingly painful. It was, was it coming off kind of green like if you're airbrushing a yellow? 
Uh, no, it just it just had bad coverage. Like it looked like you were painting it on really really thin. That's interesting um, to get it to flow. Brushing on the retributor armor, it goes on so strong. Yeah, totally. And airbrushing it to get it to come through my airbrush, it had to be so thin that it took so many coats, and it, it just it just was a pain in the ass to airbrush. It turned out quite nice. What's the needle size on your brush? Uh, it's an HPC plus or whatever, so it's not the smallest one so that they make. it's not like the point .2 no, fine needle? I think it's a point .3. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a do-all brush okay. for sure. Yeah, I think the HPC is a point .3, so I'm a little surprised you had issues getting it thin enough to flow through there, but well, again, again that, that cover does, sorry, that uh, that color does cover really strong, so maybe it is a little bit coarser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyways, and it's also a bit of an older pot, so it might be a little bit chunky uh, in there too. I would say if you're going to have to do it again by the retribution. Yeah, totally, spray. okay. So if I add more custodes, because I quite like the way that they play, custodes could be really, really fun. And frankly, if you're painting them like that, they'll paint up fast. Fuck, they paint up fast. It's crazy how, like, that was one... E- like, last night, I started... Uh, I had the sub-assemblies done last night, and that was... What yeah, what I have right now, what I posted on our page, was from 5 o'clock getting home from work to 8 o'clock playing a game. Hmm. Wow. A couple yeah. hours, not bad. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And it's with some pain in the ass airbrushing. Yep, totally. Hmm. 100%. And shades are on there. Yeah, it was there. I would honestly recommend that if you're starting a army, like from a hobby standpoint, think about custodes. You have very few models, easy to paint, play pretty decently on the tabletop. You could probably like do some flair on the heraldry as well. Totally. Very much like the old Grey Knights, how people used to recommend they were a good starter army because they were so few models. Yeah. Mostly metallics. One of the things with Grey Knight that was always a pain in the ass is they had a lot of special rules. These guys have actually kind of less. They don't have any psychic powers. Better stat line, but less rules, yeah. Yeah, kind of interesting, actually. They might be like the, the new Necron Grey Knight sort of starter army type thing. Hmm. Anywho. Other than that, um, yeah, it was kind of a bigger week for buying. Ooh. Um, more so that I just rounded out my... Should we, should we jump into shop and take my money, or do you have something for that, too? Oh, I've got something for that, too. Okay, so continue. No, I, I bought all the stuff now that I have enough models to run a 2,000-point Nurgle Army. Woohoo! So all In I fairness, you probably had enough to run a 2,000-point list before, but now you have, I think, what you want to play. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't now have to build even more of the things I don't want. Fair enough, yep. Um, but other than that, it's... Uh, the plan is that I'm going to be tackling a lot of stuff this weekend because I'm nice. on call, so I just don't really make plans when I'm on call. Nice. And I just hang out and paint, so. That's, I'm excited. I'm super excited because all my stuff is now playable for my lists. If I can get it all built and airbrushed and then do the bases, and I at got, least won't feel horrible throwing that on a table to play a game. Yeah, that's where my stuff's at. Mike's got his stuff sounding like it's pretty close to going, so pretty we might close. need to play some 2,000-point games in the next week or so. 17 more, and I'm done. And I know Dan has something he for sure can cobble together. Oh, I can put together a few Space Marines. Yep. Uh. <laughs> Scrape together a list or two. Yep. Or ten. Could so be I'll fun. jump into the shut up and take my money for myself. Um, one of the problems I've been having is looking at how the, how the hell I'm going to transport this Nurgle army. Oh, interesting. Because I- I've got some models who that are like... You know, t- like the Nurglings and the Plague Bears Spindly. are really tiny, um, but then you get into the Blight Drones and the Beast of Nurgle and the Great Unclean One, and so, like, I was Big looking into Battle spindly. Foam, and I would have to get a 720 and probably then some to transport this army, but there's those Table War cases that uh, have the magnetic trays, or the yep. metal trays in there that you magnetize yep. everything to, yep. and I was looking at that, and I should be able to put my 2,000-point army into that. It might be a little precarious for traveling on an airplane, 
I don't know for certain, but uh, is I it carry on size? I'm assuming. No, no. Sorry. There'll be it. Have to be carry on because you would not check your magnetized stuff. No, no, and I don't know if it's carry on because it's pretty large. Carry on surprisingly big. It's like 19 by 21 by 11 or something like that. Like it's it's quite big. So the blight drones, we'll see about that nonsense. But like at the end of the day, this is at least for like local stuff going to be a much better option. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy selling one for a discounted price that's never really been touched on the Warhammer swap page. So nice. I'm going to sometime this weekend to check it out and probably just going to throw money at them. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> for folks that are addicted to battle foam as well, they do make uh, magnetic tray cases as well now. Okay. Yeah, they're the ones with the weird, like, uh, side post thing going on that slides into the case. I th- they were demoing them at the, like, lo- demoing them. They were showing them off at the LVO. They looked a little weird. Yeah, they're, they are modular, but the, I think the trays are attached to the side posts. So you kind of, like, assemble in, if you have, like, 12 inches to work with, you can buy, like, the 3 inch or the 4 inch or the 6 inch or whatever. And, like, stack your trays that way. But they might not be as freely adjustable as some of the other systems. Fair but, they, but they do have a magnetic system available if somebody is, like, totally locked into the battle, battle foam ecosystem or whatever. If that's their thing, they can do that, too. Cool. Dan, how about you? Uh, your shut-up and take your money. Uh, for Keep me, going. There, there were a handful <laughs> of things that I picked up recently. I picked up the, um, the Eisenhorn model from GW. Yep. So the one that came out when the book, The Magos, was released. I ordered that and never got a call from GW. They don't call you anymore. What? Yeah, you just check your email for, like, the tracking number, and it'll just, yeah, they don't call you. I bet you it's at the store, and I'm already paid yep. for it. Mine has okay. been there since, like, Saturday or something, but I'm not going to go pick it up until Cal Jericho comes in. Mm. I ordered him a couple weeks ago as well. Hmm. But anyway, um, so there was that, and then I finally had to, because the pre-order window for the uh, Modifius Fallout game was closing at the end of February. I do not know what this is. It is a tabletop, like, 30 mil strategy game. Basically, this is not a test, but officially Fallout licensed. Oh, cool. cool. And it looks super cool. There's all kinds of crazy shit for it. Like um, Fallout, the actual, like, yes. Fallout, Fallout, like, Bethesda. Officially licensed all the, I think, everything except a couple of the non-Bethesda expansions nice. they have the rights to. It's like they're going to supposedly be coming out with. So you're going to get those crazy uh, Brotherhood of Steel or whatever the hell they are. Brotherhood of Iron. Yeah, Brotherhood of Steel. Steel. So Steel. I got the... Go. I did get... You can tell I'm a huge Fallout fanboy. <laughs> I did buy an obscene amount of shit. Um, it ended up costing like a good 600 and some dollars. Because I was waiting for the exchange rate to get better because it was in pounds. And it never got better in the last three months. Yeah, they need another Brexit. So it's, That'll help. Yeah, that was supposed <laughs> to fuck up the currency, but it did not. It was very tragic. So yeah. it was still like $1.74 to the pound or something. Whoa. So it was painful. But I got the Brotherhood of Steel bundle... The resin upgrade to the starter set, the robot pack, the turret pack, the scenery pack, which has those, like, Corvega atomic cars. Yep. It's got, like, I think it might have four of those in it now. Corvega is pretty sweet. That's one of the neater parts of, like, that 50s retro nuclear thing going on. Yeah, it has the big spaceship-looking, like, Cadillac-style fins and stuff on it. So there's all kinds of crazy shit in there. Um, as well as, yeah, a few of the little accessories and stuff. Do so. you get, uh, why can I not think of his fucking name, the robot helper guy from... Oh, Codsworth? Codsworth. Yeah. I was going to say Farnsworth, but that is the wrong idea. Um, I don't <clears throat> know if it's specifically Codsworth or if it is just one of his model... That's of, sweet. Like, he's not Mr. Handy, but I can't remember what he actually is. Like a helper yeah. robot thing. Yeah. But, That's yeah, so there's, there's at least one of, their, one of those in there. There's a couple of Protectrons. There's the big, like... 
crazy fucking sentry bot thing. It's not the one with the, you know, tricorner hat. It's not the one from the spe- the ship. I can't remember what his name is. I, but you I could easily mod that up. I, I'm tempted to. <laughs> You've got some Empire models kicking around. You might find something. Yeah, that's yeah, totally. But so there's all that crazy stuff, um, and they keep announcing stuff for Wave Two. And I think once I get the that stuff in, if I can get the starter set painted quickly, I might apply for their demo team. Nice. So that you can like run events and potentially, I think they do something where you like get points that you can trade in for product or somebody thing. Cool. So that could be really cool and a way for me to not spend quite so much money on Fallout is if I get some of it for free. Yeah. Because I'm tempted sure. to buy everything. They're, they're, they're talking like doing Marlert Queens and Liberty Prime and stuff like that for future models. Like, I well, yeah. Like Warhound Titan size models. I'm interested to see if that pans out. Well, they've shown renders for them already. <sighs> okay. And they are out of control. Is this is, is this a Kickstarter thing? No. It's not a Kickstarter thing. Nope. They just did their pre-orders, so they're shipping in, like, May or June or something uh, for Wave 1, and then there's another wave. Okay, so never mind. I take that. Another wave I, I like assume this was a Kickstarter thing. No, this the, is usually when all these, like, smaller games that I haven't heard of. Modifius. 95% Kickstarter. Modifius does a number of um, RPG rule books, but also some miniature games as well. They did, they did like, a, like, a Star Trek away team, like, tabletop game fairly recently, which has miniatures and stuff. Um, Sculpts are good. Oh yeah, is it, looks it actually solid. a track? Yeah, Ooh. all the stuff they do is licensed. I think they have an Infinity RPG, like, like Infinity Infinity, like Corvus Belli. Yep. Ooh, and uh, that's what else? interesting. Just from the background, because I've always liked Infinity's background quite a bit. They did another one called Tales from the Loop, which is basically a generic version of like Stranger Things, like '80s style weird sci-fi shenanigans. Oh, like they have all kinds of stuff. A lot of it is like you've, RPGs. Uh, you've got. I think you've got Tom Googling the uh, Away Team game. You're fucking right I am! <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yep, I'm with you on that <laughs> one. You know everyone's getting a red shirt, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to be cheering for how they die. Not <laughs> if or when, but how. I, I think they had... always get devoured by <clears throat> a tar pit, which has got to be the worst <laughs> way to go ever. For no, when one not... of your RPG characters has, like, a contract dispute. They're not going to go full passion, man. That's just rude. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they do have TOS and TNG Away Teams. Really? And, like, old-style Klingons and new-style Klingons. They have a John Carter game? What? I completely skipped over that, because I do not care for that property. What? That's weird, but interesting. Okay, we should move on, because you've totally totally segued us into, like, a a new game that we need to buy, and we need to skip over this. Yeah, Yeah. it cost me a lot of money, so hopefully somebody somewhere plays it also. Okay, for the (laughs) record, not only are the models great, every other topic doesn't matter right now, they straight-up have... Next gen crew team, Klingons, Romulans, and they're actually like good sculpts. Like you get yeah. like Jordy LaForge. Yeah, they're solid sculpts, and they come with basically like the fancy resin bases stock. Dude, just look at that. Oh yeah, that's really good. That's totally Crusher. Yeah, you can tell exactly. Who they crushed that sculpt. <laughs> they did. Oh. <laughs> oh, and the Klingons look really good from TNG too. Yeah, no, the Klingons look uh, great, um, and the Romulans are straight up as well. Uh, this is great radio again. Yeah, no, I I'd, I would play this. I would play the shit out of this. <laughs> we got to figure out how many we need and what the cost is. The the uh, the away team stuff I think was like it was reasonable. I think it was like five or six dollars a model. You get an away team what? for like forty fifty bucks. All right, we should talk after yeah. the podcast. Oh my god! Did you see? This is why I should be on your demo team, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, just like tell nerds about like these things coming out, and we'll just be like super jazzed. Apparently, like, that's all you need to do. I'm really close to saying fuck forty k right now. 
Like, and I'm super jazzed on 40K, but like, come on, man. They've got original series and next gen Trek. Yep. And Romulans and Klingons. I want to see the rules. I, the models look okay. Like, I paint them up for sure. But I, I have, with any of the Trek board games, I have this idea that they're going to just fuck up the rules so bad, just like Attack Wing. <laughs> like, you're going to play the original series crew, and they're just going to get murdered by way better tech. I don't know if that's a thing. But if each faction is, like, one box, yep. six or seven models, it's not that bad. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah, that's that's sure. what they said with Attack Wing. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, but Attack Wing was garbage. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. But Trek this, doesn't have a great track right, I'm going to cut in and okay, keep it moving because we're way off schedule totally, right now. Totally. Okay, <laughs> my shut up and take my money is Forge Beam. Well, mine too. <laughs> and time safe. Uh, Moving on. And I also bought uh, Get Started uh, Stormcast Vanguard because that's all the new models in the starting set. And Eisenhorn. Nice. There you go. That's that's mine. Uh, quick for any of our listeners, it's been hiding in a rock. Forge Bane is the one that has the oh. new knights in the in the kit. So it's got Mechanicus, Necrons, and the two Armagers. Uh, no rumors around the rules for the Armager, but they're supposed to be a lighter knight class. Everybody that's plays knights is super excited about it or right. Admech because mm-hmm. they've been teased all together. So we'll figure out what happens. That should be pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, good. And that new Necron Cryptek looks real cool. Way better than Failcast. His staff might actually be straight. Yeah, plastic, yeah. plastic staffs and not resin. Yeah, Woo. yeah those were some of the yeah. worst for the crazy curves. Anyways, yeah. moving on. Moving on. Well, this is why I feel like I could, you know, spend a bit of time looking at Trek here, which I'm going to continue doing while we talk about everything else because I'm really excited about this. I'm surprised you're like humming and hawing at me right now. Uh, yeah, you know I like Trek. I'm a big fan of it, but I'm I'm a huge well, I'm a huge Trek fan. I don't I, I just don't know if I want to play a Trek uh, tabletop game. Someone's got to sell me on it. Why the fuck do you not want to paint a Riker? Because previous Trek games have disappointed him. Yeah, with does Riker cost. come with a chair to sit on weirdly? Yeah, if he does, then that'd be pretty hilarious. You could do like a little mini diary. He always sits on chairs over weird. the back of the chair. All he funny. always sits on chairs weird. He just says everything weird. He is he's one of the weirder characters that gives me kind of the no feeling. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's so tremendously nineties, it kind of bothers me. You might we have to convert him to be playing the trombone. <gasps> yes. Yes, you do. Just like salute because he was the one that was always seducing the alien women in, in Next Gen. Oh totally. He was he was the Kirk of the the crew. Like Picard was like he he ran the, the ship like a like a CEO. Right? Yeah. He wasn't really a traditional like captain. He was totally that badass CEO. Riker was the captain. Unless he's banging the anthropologist. Yes. That's true. Got That's it. true. Or yelling, there are four lights? Five lights? I can't remember the exact <laughs> lights. And then there was that one girl on Ryza. Oh, and the, the original? Like, the, that's in the pilot or whatever, isn't it? No, that's the, pl- the pleasure planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah where where um, yeah. Riker gets him to buy the statue. Yes. As yeah. a souvenir for yeah, him. Totally. Turns that, out it's like an invite alien, for sex. Yes, 100%. It, like, yeah. it like, ter- brings you to that weird ship or whatever, right? No, there was no weird ship. It, it was, was just like all the women were going after him. There's another one where there's a statue that like beams you out to the ship and they like all take on the personalities of like the ancient alien like civilization. There's the probe thing where he goes and like lives out a lifetime on the planet so he can understand their culture. Like he lives out there in his head and then afterwards he's like playing his little alien flute afterwards. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of episodes of Star Trek it turns out. We need to move on. Okay, fair enough. So, um, the, the next thing we're gonna get into is... Something that even is a little bit hotly contended at this table, but it is wound tracker options and etiquette. 
Mm-hmm. Because, especially nowadays with 40K, the number of wounds on models everywhere is increasing more and more all the time. It's not just characters. Like, you're getting Terminators yeah. and bikes and all kinds of stuff. Vehicles. Yep. Have yep. a lot of different wounds. Well, on get seventh, the typically the most wounds you'd ever see on a table is six. Like, Imperial Knight had six hit points. Yeah. Right? I don't think it really went beyond that. Uh, Raid Knight had six. Uh, maybe there was like some Nurgle Forge World stuff that might have had more wounds, but typically you would have that would be it. So you well, could use a single D six for your marker. Before. Yeah, exactly. Now some asshole brings a great unclean one or three, and they got eighteen wounds each. Yeah, I've only got two right now. <laughs> yeah, it's guns to change, but I only have two right now. Yeah. So point is, you need some way of tracking wounds that doesn't involve f- four dice if you're playing a knight. And you need to track 24 wounds. Although, that being said, I would almost argue the four dice is way more consistent than, like, D10s or D20s that are rolling around a lot totally. more. Uh, like, any of those exceptionally polyhedral dice can get really finicky when it comes yep. to wound tracking. Yeah, the GW wound trackers, I bought them. They're just D8s. D10s. D10s, D10s thank you. Yep. Uh, they're not ideal. Well, they move so easily. Yep. Uh, that's exactly You pick up the model, they flip over. They're hard to read because they're... Like, especially when you have, like, a gain of 24-wound model, you you have, like, another dice in there. Like, they're not flipped around the right direction. Like, you sometimes get confused whether or not you're looking at, like... Because they also have the weird GW scripts. So they're, like, 6 versus 9 can be a little bit hard they're to figure out. They're not as bad as the Eldar dice. Oh, the not Eldar thing dice is bad as the Eldar... The Eldar dice yeah. make those Skaven dice you bought years ago look amazing. Oh, yeah. I've, o- I've only bought the worst <laughs> GW dice. Like, that's, that's <laughs> my track record. I buy the shitty Skaven dice, the and shitty Eldar stopped. dice... Oh, and then you stopped. And then I, yeah, I, I, anyways, I, I, I still bought GW dice. I'm just saying. They're not great. But anyways, wound tracking. What do you guys use? Right now, I've just been using, uh, for, my, for 40k anyways, I've just been using my neural dice that I bought. Um, because they're quite stable. Like, they, mm-hmm. they do have, they do lie they're flat the, pretty well. They're the more square-edged rather than the rounded. And because I didn't go overboard with, like, the great unclean ones yep. uh, base... There's spaces on the base to rest up to three days, which is all I really need. Yep, gotcha. That makes sense. Um, but the, I, what I want to maybe start with, if we're using dice, mm-hmm. count up or count down? Oh, this is, this, is, this is like, okay, in software development, there's the whole tabs versus spaces thing. Like, how do you indent your code? And it's considered to be the holy wars of software development. Like, there is no right answer. It's all just insanity, and people go crazy about it. Let's go crazy! This is exactly the same thing. Yeah. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. As long as you're consistent and you let everybody know up front what you're doing. And also... But you know what the funny thing is? Is I don't think it's off. So when somebody does it the opposite, I haven't thought to ask them. They haven't thought to told me. I haven't thought to tell them that this is the way you do it. So it's like, Jesus, he's only taken two hits. I thought he was almost dead. And you don't think about asking. So you pour (laughs) more fire into said object and you ended up throwing in five times more than you need it. You know, yeah, it's, it's my own weapons. fault for not asking, but well, it, there's an automatic confusion because most people think they're doing it the right way and you're doing it the wrong way, and you don't kind of meet in the middle and tell each other until it's too late. Yeah, I've, I've not had that happen to me in a while. I'm going to say that might be a, a mic thing. No, I, I, was, I do the same way you do, but there's other I do. people yep. totally. who count down. I think we're in the minority. Yeah. I think we, yeah. despite the fact that we, in fact, do it correctly yes, and right. count wounds taken... Uh, my natural inclination is to do the opposite. 
I like that's okay to be wrong. The reason the reason I do wounds remaining is so that anyone can look at the game state, regardless of knowing my codex inside and out, and know how many wounds are remaining exactly. on them. Exactly. So you're looking at it and you're Fair like, enough. there's no question about it. It's not like, okay, so I've done three wounds to that. Does it have seven? Does it have five? Does it have four? They don't have to ask that question. I'll just be like, if you see a diabocyta model, that is how many wounds it has. That's interesting. I've actually so it actually cleans up play a lot. Okay, all right. I've never thought about it that way. Actually, I've always I've always done wounds uh, taken. So you're the old busted, and we're the new hotness. I think I think I might actually because uh, no, we can see tell, what you look like. Tell as you can tell, I really really care about this. Like, deeply. <laughs> uh, but I think you might actually be right. I never thought about it that way. That it makes sense from a like. I have seventeen. You turned code. It doesn't matter. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, 100%. You left me behind. You just. Wow. I have no problem with that. That's you open okay. the door, push me out. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you keep doing it your way. Also, at the same time, like, I typically know enough about 40K, like, the games that I play, that it's never really bothered me. Like, if somebody goes, I'm counting wounds taken, I just can figure it out. There were points in, like, third through probably sixth edition where I could do that, too. But Fair enough. Fair not enough. anymore. I do not spend, like, I don't know how many wounds half the stuff in my own army starts with. Yeah, fair enough. Because I, I just don't play enough. And especially nowadays where the the scale and the variation, variability of what wounds could even be. That's yeah, it's a not, very good point. It's like, not like everybody's HQ has three wounds across the board anymore, which used to be... Maybe normal. that orc war boss has five. Yeah, well, exactly. That that question right now, like somebody asked me, how many wounds does a Seeker of Slanesh have? Uh, I don't know. 69, <laughs> probably. Correct answer. Uh, no, but it's well, probably it's three or horrifying. four. It's, it's probably, it's two, three, or four. And I don't know. Right? Right, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, this actually makes some sense to me. I kind of like this. I think I might have to change. So, Holy there shit. You go. I love how you went it's, You went into this starting with, this is like that old software argument where there's no wrong or right answer. Went immediately, still not went immediately to, I'm right, you're wrong, and then like I said... Two little comments, and you're just turn coding like a motherfucker. Hey, I might be, I might be trying to be a little bit ridiculous for the podcast. I don't really <laughs> give a shit, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I've always done wounds taken. That's just the way I play. Um, I've never had anybody put a solid argument about it because it's never been a serious issue. Like I've never had it like cause any problems during the game because like. Don't get me wrong; I never caused a problem. I just did stupid things because I. Forgot yeah, to ask your opponent. Sure. Forgot to ask my opponent which way he does it, right? Yeah, and I think ultimately as long as you're clear with your opponent off the hop, like mm-hmm. what it is you do, and I've always been very clear when I play games, yeah, like, me too. just so For you sure. know this is what I do, For sure. and then I often follow with, so whatever number you see beside the model is how many wounds they have on them, Yeah, and most people are like, oh, okay. Yeah, like I said, I've never had it have, like cause a problem at all. Um, Still feel like you just... Push me up. Totally. It's still moving. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I'm a big buddy. fan. I'm a big fan of iterative change. Yeah, I think the I think the only time I've ever had an issue with that in a game, it was I was playing against a certain member, former member of the Edmonton community, one of those guys that went and got himself banned from like every event under the sun. Yep. <laughs> and you guys can probably narrow that down to two or three people just by that description, but Does did he have a problem? I don't know who that was. Okay, never I don't mind. know who that quote was, the word I have a problem thing. So I that don't was, know the answer to that. I don't think that. this was anybody that we're talking about. But uh, this other player that, yeah, in short order, got himself banned from everything. But, like, midway through the game, we'd been playing the entire game one way. Yep. And so, like, my guy, like, I was counting 
wounds, you know, remaining like I always do. Then he's like, no, yes, you, you you've been counting wounds taken the whole time. That model's dead. He only had one wound remaining, not five remaining. And I'm like, you're telling me how I've been playing. Like, we, we talked about this. Like, we've been playing this way the whole game. Yeah, until he, like, snuck one wound through on a model and claimed it was dead instead of having, like, one wound taken. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was one of those guys where I was just like, fuck it, I don't care. I just want this game to be over. You're the worst. So... <laughs> That that this is actually kind of funny. I was listening to one of the the, the signals from the Frontline podcast today, and they were talking about battle points versus. Uh, they were talking about slow play in tournaments and all this sort of stuff. They were talking about battle points versus win loss record for how you determine things. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's interesting about uh, using battle points that I kind of I'd never thought about before. If you walk away from that game in turn two, you limit the number of battle points you can get. Yeah, if There's you slow incentive. play, you'll still win, but you might win like ten to four instead of twenty to twelve, and you don't get the points to win the tournament. Which yeah. is an interesting point when you have a game like that where someone's like freaking out about this. Even if you're losing, you can actually just tank them. There's an incentive for them to not be a dick. Which I thought was kind of interesting. So if you walk away from that game, you might have you might have fucked them up. Anyways, <laughs> so you can take that. Grand I think this was probably before that was even a consideration. Yeah, this was this was fourth ed because the guy was running the three point five Codex uh, Chaos Space Marines. Oh, good, good yeah, with like full shenanigans. Like, yeah, yeah, interesting. I think it was that guy. <laughs> okay, so now that we've all talked about Mike's the only outlier here, I'm sticking with my guns. This is the way I do it. This is the way I'm gonna keep doing it. Because yes, sirree, you young punks can go your own way. <laughs> I was gonna say some some old dog, some some new tricks, right? Get off my lawn! <laughs> Don't make me catch you over here again. <laughs> Mike, do you own a rocking chair? <laughs> you ain't getting your frisbee back, kid. It's mine. <laughs> um, has anybody? Okay, so I know. I've done a huge amount of research for this particular segment because I didn't think it through entirely. Has anybody been looking at any of the the wound counters, like the? Uh, I actually don't use. I use dice or some, but for some heavy ones, I have the round acrylic. That's what I can ask. Counters about, yeah. with the magnets. Mm-hmm. That it's sort of like an 12. X-wing dial. It's a twelve. It's like a twelve dice. Um, I don't know if it's like yeah, sort of like that dial. The the top there, there's two magnets, one in each, and the. The one that's not the one that's opaque at the top. You turn, and then it'll you'll be able to see the number. Yeah, through the, the hole. one slot cut through the, the hole, hole. It reveals yeah, the yeah. amount of wounds on the line. Absolutely, and that's yeah. what it is. And it's one to twelve, and it's the disc is about an inch in diameter, though. But I mean, it's one to twelve, and you can't flip it. You're not going to rechange the yeah. thing. By You're not going to accidentally roll it. that die. It stays that way, <laughs> which I do when all you the turn. time. Right? Yeah, I guess that's the other thing. If uh, those first off are great, uh, I'm a big fan of dials. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're not dice and you cannot roll them. Yes. Yep. Um, which leads me to or the point of pick up that dice because think, oh, I left that dice over there, and you pick it up. Yep. And then I've you're like, so wait, he has five. Oh no! And, and then it's it, in your hand, being re-rolled. And from a sportsmanship standpoint, the number of times where I've just been like, tell me how many wounds you thought was left on that model, and like, even if it's grossly worse off than it really was, my fuck up. I take their their number yeah. that they say. It's like, yeah, oh, I think it was mostly fun. dead. And you're like, well, I thought it took one wound, but fuck it. So on the dial side of things, who who's used like um, uh, the War Machine style like to- uh, little counters? Like they use the typically like, uh, pieces of glass or whatever. Uh, War Machine typically you're just writing on cards. Actually. Writing on cards. That's right. But they use them for sorry for I've seen people for War Machine all the time use those things for like focus or oh the little acrylic tokens. Yeah, the ones you can stack. Yeah, there's those ones. I don't know, if but there's also I've seen people use the little like. I don't know what to call them. Like they're they're typically like those little glass beads type things. I've seen people use them for wound counters. Oh, and like a bunch of different things. Those little like I don't know if that's actually the term anymore, but like the Chinese checker style token glass ones. Yeah, totally, hundred percent. 
Yeah, or it might I've not seen, be a war machine thing because I am not a war machine. Uh, not a war machine thing, but I know a few guys that have done that, like uh, for Malifaux models, sure. where there'd be a stick on the base, and then those little beads you could just slide onto the stick, and that would like tick up the number of wounds. I have not seen that. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I'm thinking of like so. What I typically did for like uh, in seventh for my wave serpents that each had three hall points, I bought a uh, little acrylic cut wave serpent tokens. They were about. Uh, about a half an inch tall, mm-hmm. and I would just put those beside my wave serpents as they took wounds. Because I found with running like a whole bunch of wave serpents and wraith guard and um, uh, sorry, not wraith guard, wraith knights, and just a bunch of multi wound models, I pick up the dice beside them all the time. Yeah, so I know. Like that was that was just something that I did not on purpose. It just was almost unavoidable. Yeah. I, I have that like almost OCD level of wanting to like clean the stray dice, dice away, off put the table. Totally. So it's hard not to grab them off. That's part of the thing about playing 40k too is it's, it's, it's a cinematic game, right? Like you're, you're, you actually want the game to look cool. You bought these models to look cool. Yeah. Having a bunch of dice strewn around and templates and rulers kind of takes away from that. Exactly. Yeah. And then like obviously the, the one solution is like a different color die I've often gone towards different sizes. That's what I do. Yeah, you know, so it, it's the very Chessex obviously one centimeter ones or whatever the hell they are versus the the twelves like, versus the sixteen. Yeah, those yeah. Ones. Mm-hmm. yeah, totally. So yeah. like, there's that. Um, I don't know. I, I think it would, it would be really interesting to see if there was a bit of space for now that 40k has a lot of. It's it's really extra now when it comes to all the wounds on everything. Yeah, totally. You're finding a lot more infantry with multiple wounds, a lot more well, medium sized things. Say. Vehicles have a ton. Like maybe getting into some kind of a like, would it be so bad to have a differentiation between like some of your different vehicles, some of your different squads, and actually have like a sheet with like clear yeah, plastic totally. that you could just totally. like a, a dry erase on. I was gonna say like the thing is is having a tracker, a wound tracker for a Terminator. Is very different than having a wound tracker for a land raider, and you need both in your list if you have terminators and land raiders. So, like a dial's great for for your land raider, but what about the terminator? Like maybe that's where you have little tokens. Fuck it, go and like just get a laminated piece of uh, like just even a, a comic book sleeve, right? Yeah, comic not book a wizard sleeve. sleeve. Wizard sleeve, loose. So uh, loose. Um, but no, like a comic book sleeve with your list printed out in it would work fine. And then all you have to do is, if you wanted to, on the back of their bases, you could have, like, an ABC or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that really wouldn't fuck with how the army looks, because when it's on your tray, you're not looking at the back of the base anyways. Yep. It's what you're looking at. Like It's kind of a pain in the ass for your opponent to be like, okay, what's wounded? Yeah. Like, there's that, too. Like but it's always kind of a pain in the your ass. Your whole argument about counting uh, counting wounds remaining is, is partly for yourself and your opponent to see things. Putting that on that piece of paper is kind of, it's tough for your opponent to really get a good idea of what's going on. That's why I'm not going to change what I'm doing. Sure, yeah. Um, unless we get fully to the point of, like, having scoreboards at every table with, like, a, a TV screen. And you can, That'd like, be sick. How cool would that be? And it would, like, track everything that happened. That'd be badass. I'd be a big fan of that. Like smart boards, like in classrooms? Yeah, it'd be cool. And yeah. you could just like click on it with your finger? Sometime you should ask Kyle about his capstone project, because he did, uh, he used a smart board to track barcodes in the bottom of models' bases. So you could like move them six inches and like click, and it would tell you where the models had to be, roll your dice for you, and you just clicked on this like crazy smart board. It was like a giant iPad. Hmm. Uh, it was really cool. It was really, Tom's flabbergasted right now, but project actually went, was pretty decent. That sounds sweet. Yeah, it was really cool. Really cool. I like it. Provided you don't like rolling dice, because it totally took that away. 
You know what? There's actually, I've heard conversations, I think we might have even talked about it a little bit with uh, when we first talked about Alexa and War Machine yep. with that app that those guys were developing. Yep. Where it would do everything for you and you're just yep. moving models around and like talking with the device. You, it becomes more like chess than like a, a traditional war game where you're just moving models. You don't really have to deal with the rest of the interaction, like the stats interaction really. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to calculate that yourself. You just kind of have to understand it. You don't have to, but it, does that make it more like chess, or does that make it more interactive between opponents? I don't know. I haven't played either way. I don't know. I don't know. You're kind of cool. But I was thinking, to back it up a few steps, if you put barcodes... <laughs> back, back, back it up. If you put barcodes on the, all the facings of all the dice, you could roll the dice, and it could just read the dice. <gasps> it like, oh, it can see the six, so the one is on top. Barcode, oh my, how fucking cool would that be? Just like, it's just a bunch of cubes with codes on them. Okay. It rolls, We're, registers. This is the off-topic episode compared to our regular episodes, I guess. Um, no, this is fucking revolutionary, Dan. That's amazing. so focused and professional. Exactly, right? I was going to say, professional is the keyword. We should finish up this topic. What What are you guys going to do go, going forward? Tom, you're going to keep doing the same thing. Dan, you plan on changing anything? I'm going to cheat relentlessly because I remembered how Fuck bad yeah. I got screwed by that. No, um, if anything, yeah. I might... I personally don't have too much of an issue worrying about um, the dice rolling accidentally. One thing I might consider getting is like a Chessex polyhedral set in the colors to match my custom dice for my armies. So it'll have like the D20 if you have like a great unclean one or whatever. Yeah. Like a D10, a D8, a D4 or whatever. Maybe get a couple extras of like the D4s. So if you have like small wound characters, like you can count those really easily. Yep. And D4s don't roll accidentally, generally. They're pretty stable. Yep. So. And the other thing that's kind of nice about that idea, actually, is that the D6s that come in the polyhedral sets have numbers instead of pips. Yep. So you wouldn't, I wouldn't get them as confused with my custom dice and pick them up accidentally, because they would look... They're the, the same wrong color. shape. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the more squared. They have, you know, the, the printed... I guess yep. it is still engraved, but it's like the numeral six instead of the six totally. pips. Or the Raven Guard symbol or whatever. but So I, I might consider doing that, but the X-Wing style dial type ones are also something I've thought about before. I think if I played like an army that had a lot more of the multi-wound like vehicles or whatever, I might go for the dials. But I don't generally run with a lot of vehicles, so I could probably get away with like a polyhedral set. Nice. Mike, how about you? You young punks just okay. ain't changing. Good, good answer. There you go. Uh, I'm going to pick up Probably some dials, like around that D12 or 12 wound type thing. Mm -hmm. I really like the idea of dials because then you just can't fuck with them. They don't roll over. Um, most of the stuff in my army is like six wounds, uh, six or seven wounds. Uh, Call's the only thing that's more than that, and he's got eight. Um, so if I have just a bunch of 12s, it'll be fine. I don't really have any two-wound stuff that's going to cause problems. And two-wound stuff, I'd probably just use like a token or like a counter, like just a little something to sit beside the model. And as an aside, if you wanted to make dials on the super cheap, you get a 40 mil base and a 25 mil base and a magnet yep. and some paint and you're good to go. Totally. That is a good point. I guess technically two magnets, but yeah. <laughs> guess one magnet would not work well. No. What um, would it stick to? You could cut it in half. <sighs> <laughs> you can try. <laughs> Those things are brittle as fuck and will shatter. Yeah. Easily. That's why they chrome them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. If anyone can do it, Mikey can. Yeah, fuck that. I hate machine maggots. You gotta be joking. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> sure um, my lathe would be fine. Yo, fuck no. <laughs> a few of us played at Out of the Basement last weekend. I said few, just me and Tom. That's 
Half of us? That's a couple, not a few. A few is... (laughs) You're a couple and you admitted it. No. (laughs) I was... Okay, okay, continue. continue Want a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Continue on. Uh, I'll go first, because I like talking. Um... I played Blood Bowl, and it was a really good time. We ended up not having as many players as last year, but it was another Blood Bowl tournament where everyone I played against, everyone that was there was just fantastic people. And one of my favorite parts is that it was the golden sausage, and one of the pieces of swag that there was was a little cast sausage to use instead uh, instead of a ball. So the whole time, the guys were running around trying to, like, throw and catch these, like, sausage rings. Um, which was just, it made for all kinds of great jokes, obviously, and it was a lot of fun, and it kind of helped make a very, um, it made for a bit of a different experience, with nothing other than everyone gets this ball that you can use and giggle your way through it. It was really fun, actually. Uh, ended up going 4-1-0. and out of the five games, which was pretty good. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. solid. Um, and getting the best offense. Oh, look at you. There's a, there's a pause while we distribute beer. <laughs> that, was, that was the pause. No, no, I thought our MO was we're the podcast where we always drink and then never actually talk about it. Oh, no, I think we've talked about it before. <laughs> and I think it's been pretty obvious a couple of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Most. <laughs> enough of you. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, so how many sausages did you fondle? Fumble. Sorry. F- fumble is what I meant. Fumble. Oh. I didn't fumble the sausage much, but... Uh, <laughs> 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 See? The jokes write themselves. Yeah. It was a really fun time. Um, but one of the one of the prizes was for having the most thrown teammates, because the whole premise behind the golden sausage is that it was a stunty-themed event. Okay. And so the tournament winner was actually the best stunty team record, and they got the best prize and the big sausage and everything else. Because <laughs> you get oh, the big sausage. Time. No, I took my oh. orcs because I was getting my goblins painted in time because I've been painting 40k. Like, so it was a small stunty, sausage. Stunty as being like trick stunty. Yeah, no. I don't understand. Stu- okay, so stunty, stunty and Blood Bowl, for those of you that don't know, are halflings, your goblins. halflings, goblins, lizard men without saurus. Um, ogres, because it's mostly snotlings, and uh, I think there's one more. Underworld, if you don't take any of the Skaven. Okay. Traditionally speaking, these are thought of as less good armies, and or teams. And the neat thing about Blood Bowl, it's not a balanced game. Not all teams are created equal. Some teams are better than other teams. Some teams are better than other teams in certain formats. So, depending on what you take... Uh, like dwarves are most always a really good team and dwarves at an event like this are horrifying because they're really good at taking down the stunties okay but um, normally at most events you have a stunty cup where the people playing those like third or fourth tier teams yeah are playing for their own championship gotcha so even if they're going like two and four or three and three if that's the best stunty record they get a trophy Okay, gotcha. Out of all the crap teams. Gotcha. This one kind of flipped on its head. It was actually sponsored by uh, Old Country Meats, which is Todd's uh, yep. meat shop. Yep. And so, like, sausages were given out as, as prizes because it was the golden sausage. Because awesome. it, so it was a halfling-sponsored event, obviously. So halflings <laughs> got free chefs, and there was different buffs for the different halfling teams and everything else, and goblins <laughs> got a bit of a boost. One of my favorite things he did was give That's awesome. all stunty teams got plus two fame to start. 
Oh, and God. there's you then roll whoever is more famous gets even more fame. Some of the results, like uh, pitch invasion, you roll for every model on the pitch for your opponent. And normally on a six plus, they're stunned. Every point of fame you have increase or it makes that die roll easier by one point. So normally in a game, the most you can get is two. So fame plus two is if you have twice as many fans show up as your opponent. Yep. Now the goblins have a special model which gives them the hooligan, which gives them plus one fame while he's on the pitch. And then you're also getting into if you were a stunty at this event and had twice as much fame as your opponent in the hooligan, if they're all the goblins, you have plus five fame. So in the off chance you get a pitch invasion, everybody's stunned. Anything but a one. That's awesome. <laughs> and that means your opponent's models are down for two turns. Because it's one turn, they flip, and then they have to spend their like three of their move getting up to get up the next so turn. So basically Holy your shit. fans invade the pitch and take down everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and you just run terrain for two turns. Yeah. That's pretty hilarious. So it was really exciting. But anyway, so back to the <laughs> point of um, one of the things that I really pride myself on is taking the four goblins of my orc team and throwing goblins downfield all the time and having a great time. Yeah. My troll was fucking useless. I... The, the way they recorded thrown teammates was attempts, but to qualify as an attempt, the goblin had to hit the air. Okay. And every time I trolled either fumble When you say hit the air, you mean let go of in a throw. Yes. They actually had to be airborne. <laughs> I see exactly where this is going. To count. And my <laughs> troll was always like trying to eat the goblins. He was always either too stupid to know what a goblin was to pick it up to throw it, or he was just like always having like butterfingers from the guts of the last goblin that he tried to eat his fingers would slip and the goblin would just fall out before he'd even throw it I only had like two successful thrown teammates and I attempted at least a dozen times that's fantastic I quite like that and you still (laughs) won four games well yeah because orcs are pretty good (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then the one game that I lost it was nothing could go right at all at all and I the only, the only downside of Blood Bowl is that when the dice are against you in the worst kind of way, mm-hmm. you're just watching your opponent do things. Yeah. Because your team can do nothing. And it was one of those games. Because if you're not familiar with Blood Bowl, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you fail, something basic, your turn's over. Yes. If you fall down or fumble the ball, your turn is over. Yeah. So if you throw your first block and fuck up and knock your own guy over, your so turn's So you literally over. watch your opponent do stuff, and if he's got hot dice, his turn doesn't really end. Exactly. Yeah, and if you're like, all right, I need a two plus, fail. Well, I got to reroll, fail. Well, that's my turn. <laughs> or it's like double skulls, because uh, if you roll skulls on the block dice, mm-hmm. which are like the special blood bowl dice um, for determining how the block goes, skulls mean you fall down. Yeah, uh, and normally if you have a advantage in the block, you're throwing two dice, choosing whichever one you like. Yeah, but if they're both shitty. But if they're both shitty, you fall down. <laughs> and there was definitely a few times it'd be like skull. It turned accent. into Woody Allen. Apparently, <laughs> that was a very weird accent. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, um, shitty. <laughs> but it was really fun. The the funny thing is though is that that game was against one of the guys who I've always loved playing against. He's actually Jack, the guy that does the Maelstrom gaming mats. Oh, good. I thought you were gonna say a Ripper. Jack the Ripper. Uh, really? Yeah, you, you know. really, you really, you really thought I was going to say that? 100%, yeah. Okay. Well, he was British, so he'd played Blood Bowl, probably. Yeah, he'd probably, for sure he did. Guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. They teach it in school there. Um, this was the same guy that, uh, when I was down for, uh, Winter Mayhem, I was like, just so you know, my goblin's going to kill that Minotaur. Yeah. And he's like, no. 
if that happens, I'm going to give you something. And I'm like, I'm just telling you, this goblin's going to kill that minute. The goblins killed the minotaur and he gave me some extra swag from the stuff he makes. I got another, another bag of tokens. Um... <laughs> But really great guy, lots of fun. The event was run very well. Um, One of the things I do love that Other Basement still does is uh, they have their pub night. That that was good? uh, Which was great. Not a lot of guys uh, came out for it, but they still... We had the quizzes broken down into three sections, and after every ten questions with each section, whoever won would get a pitcher of beer. That's pretty good. I like that. And we're hanging out. Basically had the Legion to ourselves. And well, it wasn't at the UV anymore. No, it's at the Legion at no, Norwood now. Which means years. it's licensed in the venue. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's a Legion, so it's cheap. Gotcha. So, and this was the first year that I had a girlfriend that could drive who was just like, yeah, I'll take you. <laughs> so, it got fun. <laughs> gotcha. Rough Sunday. No, no, it was good, it was good Sunday. <laughs> okay. Because awesome. I also got to ride that day. <laughs> Gotcha. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. I'm not sure entirely what you're going with here. I was drunk. I, yeah. No. Both no, days. No. Gotcha. It was like LVO. Gotcha. Perfect. I understand. I wasn't sure where you were going with it. Except it was not like $8 US beers. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Mike, how was AOS? Oh, yes, it was great. Um, I got to bring my Fire Slayers up for the very first time. And actually, I didn't do horrible, which is really good for with me, by the way. new army. It's yeah, it's the newest one I just finished painting. Uh, it's That's probably I had two games before I went to uh, the tournament. That's shocking. That that's tough to do when you have a new army and your first time you're playing it really is it a tournament? Like seriously? Yeah, yeah. I, and well, I lost my first game, but then I won, won one, lost another, and then one, two, lost two after that. So three out of five for brand spanking new. Huh? That's not bad. That's awesome. To be fair, the fire slayers are super resilient. So you can tell because they're so heavily armored. Yeah, yeah. No, you you have to play to understand what I, I get. I get a lot of more. Well, you know what mortal wounds are. Oh, yeah. now, obviously, right? Oh yeah. Well, I we get to save on a four up for eighty mm, percent of my army on every mortal wound. So oh, interesting. Me. So you're basically immune to magic. Yes, but they're dwarves, right? Yeah, which makes sense. That's pretty cool. So yeah, I had a really good time. Get to paint. Um, Painted them all up, had them ready for October, and then ended up playing Drop Zone and Drop Fleet. So they were raring to go for out of the basement in February. Nice. So it was nice because I didn't have to rush. I got everything done three days before. What did you have to get done? The display board. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so not even that's a non-critical piece. No, no, it wasn't. And basically, it had been made the basic... Coats were done. It was just dry brushing the last two colors on it to give it some. Nice. So that was done and uh, had a really good time. Lots of fun people. Uh, learned a lot on the games where I got spanked. I learned a lot. Yep. And um, I won Best Painted too. Nice. It's awesome. awesome. Man. Well, it's a good thing you did that display board. Yeah, it was because I think that actually what, what, what the difference was because uh, Paul Ting was right beside me and it was like. Neck and neck, and I think my display board was a little nicer than his, so that's what bumped it over the edge. And I gotta say, AOS, those armies look fucking yeah, great. Yeah, it's AOS has some serious competition for painting. If you, it's not something you can just go, yeah, I got this. It's like, oh shit, what do you bring? Oh no. Well, now that, <laughs> now that the armies don't have like 180 models each, yeah. it's a little easier to go to town and do really centerpiece heavy armies. Except Mike also still painted up 90 fucking naked dwarves. No, 105, 106. 
That that's still a lot. Yeah, that is still a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of flesh. Yeah, but a, a lot of good. Uh, I, I I didn't have any bad games, uh, and yeah, that's the good thing is this the AOS, AOS community is is really good sported and really. It's fun to play. It's not a burden to play, if you understand yep, what I'm saying. Totally get it. Like, um, anybody that's gone from the fantasy and embraces AOS seems to be very happy, lucky. They're still playing. They're still playing competitively, but it's done in a, in a, in a gentleman fashion, Which I, I guess. Which I think, like, is a really great segue yeah. for what we were kind of wanting to talk about next. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, there's did you some do that on games. Purpose? I did. Wow. Nicely done, because there's some games where inherently. You get a lot of really good sports. I think Blood Bowl is one of them. Malifaux often is very similar. Mm-hmm. Age of Sigmar is great. There's still a ton of great players for most other game systems, but some of them get a pretty bad rep. Uh, War Machine and 40K, I think, typically are the yep. two agree with that. worst defenders for the reputation about tournament play. Yes, absolutely. At and least locally, everyone, every area is going to be a little different. Yeah, yes, it's true. That's true. It's, it, I think it's not... Well, just the, locally, though, I think it's provincial for yeah. for those two areas. It's pretty standard. This, yeah, the the concept of a whack player is uh, is totally a forty k thing that came out of like way back, even in like third and fourth, the win at all costs idea. Well, right? especially you used to have the Art Boys tournaments, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and you see a lot more cash prizes associated with that. Does yeah. drive those kind the, of events? Nasty play. Uh, totally. To be fair. Um, and so you look at a, an anything. event like the LVO. Where winning the LVO is like what five grand, eight yep. grand? Uh, the ITC has its own prize, and the LVO has its own prize. It's at least three thousand US, if not more. But it's pretty high. Like yeah. that's a really well, three grand good pays for your trip. Like it, it, it's you know it's good and for, then some. Yeah, right. Like it's it's nothing that you know. It's not only that, but it's also the prestige of like the LVO this year had some stupid number of players. Like it was in the thousands, right? Like or not LVO the the ITC. Yeah. Um, had, um, yeah, thousands of players. So if, to say you're literally the best 40k player in the world, hands down, no questions asked. Like that's the ranking, and all the people that are in there are the who's who of 40k. It's not Joe Blow off the street walking to this tournament winning it. Like, yeah, there's totally prestige and money on the line, which is going to engender shitty play to some degree, in any competition, right? Yeah, and lately I've been listening to a lot more 40K podcasts because, fuck my life. <laughs> um, Which podcast was it a curiosity? Uh, I've been listening to Tales from the Frontline, uh, Forge the Narrative, mm-hmm. and there's one other one that I can't Life remember. Life After the Cover Save? Yes. Okay. Um, and a, there's been a lot of conversation around kind of the, the changing and what we need to be doing as a community to really foster more of a positive play atmosphere for 40k yeah. and what some of the problems are and they've talked about all kinds of different solutions and everything else and I don't really think we need to rehash what they talked about but I do want to shout out for those of our listeners that aren't really in the know on 40k one of the single-handedly coolest things I have heard of I think it probably ever happened in the hobby yeah I would, I would hands down say probably one of the coolest things that's ever happened in the hobby like it's up there with the invention of the um, like the food bank tournaments, yeah, which I think on an often much more localized level, or the uh, when there would be like when you paint models for kids' charities for yeah. auctioning them off, like all these kinds of things. Yeah. But this one was an example um, of a bad of, situation that turned good. Yeah, this is like worst possible case scenario becoming something really fantastic. And, I, and Steve, you know their names better than I do, so why don't you talk sure, about yeah. it? Yeah, so for the rundown, I'm sure 
at least 60% of our listeners uh, have heard of this. Like GW actually posted this on their community page. Um, but the, and I don't know if they actually didn't go into detail about it, which is good because it's a little bit, it cast the hobby in a bit of a bad light initially. But what happened is in the semifinals of the LVO, um, Alexander Fennell was playing Tony Grappando. Uh, Tony Grappando was the highest ranked ITC player going into the LVO. Um, and he obviously had a lot on the line. Um, he, in the, I, I can, the thing is, I don't really want to like, I'm not trying to badmouth the guy cause I can see myself doing this, right? Like if I, had, if I ended up in that situation, you could, you could potentially have this happen to you, right? Like you just get caught up in the moment, bad things happen. He specifically, um, helped Alex Fennell, uh, deep strike an assassin or infiltrate an assassin at the end of the uh, movement phase. But due to like situations in the game and some slow play action, Alex Fennel was trying to complete all his moves quickly and get them all done in one uh, sort of fell swoop. And he did some things out of order. As soon as that assassin was placed, Tony called him on that and said, your movement phase is over. Because it's the, at the end of the movement yeah. phase, you can deploy a model within nine yeah. inches. Yeah. And I can like I can see a lot of players like it was he, Tony was completely within the letter of the rules, right? Yep. Like that's the thing. There was no there was no cheating that occurred here. Yep. There was very bad sportsmanship. Absolutely. You helped him do it, and like, and you didn't even get hey buddy, you know that's going to end your movement phase like, or anything. Yeah. Like that? For the purpose of the stories, like what actually transpired is way less important. And one of the things I think is really amazing about this is that. The nuance of what happened is has become a lot less important than what happens next. Yeah, and the other thing that I do want to say before we move on to what happens next is because of what happens next, actually, that I think a lot of the focus has been taken off of Tony and a lot of the vitriol that could be sort of espoused towards these whack players has been completely toned down. Yeah. Right? So anyways, what happened next, Tom? So what happens next is the... Uh, so uh, Alex, you said his name was? Alex Fennell, yep. Alex Fennell... Is totally cool with it. He's like, you know what? You're right. Well, My bad. No, but like, with he doesn't. He doesn't push freak him. out. In fairness, he doesn't freak out. In he fairness, doesn't push the issue. He does. So they're playing on the stream too, right? They're playing. Yeah, the this is live stream. Being broadcast. There's a couple thousand people, people watching. Uh, Alex initially says, "Well, I'm going to concede the game uh, because I clearly cannot win now. Like, I'm completely out of position. None of my orders are in the right places. Whatever else." Um, he decides not to do that and decides to play it out so that they don't have the LVO look bad so that people can still watch what's going on the stream, um, you know, to be a good player. And he plays it out. He doesn't freak out about what Tony did. He doesn't have an argument. He kind of took what happened and just kept going with it. What's happening on the stream is uh, a guy named uh, Mark Merrill's watching. Yeah, who some of you may have heard of a game called League of Legends. Yeah, only the possibly the biggest esports game. In the world right now, yeah, he he made that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the <laughs> like the CEO, CEO of the of company Rivals. that made it. Rivals. So he tweets out to game uh, to the frontline gaming guys. He's like, "Hey, uh, I know you guys don't have an award for sportsmanship. I would like to donate five thousand dollars to this guy to have one. Yep. If you will let me do it." Yeah. Frontline tweets back to, or sends a DM back, and they're like, uh, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna happen." So. They do this, and Alex's immediate response is like, I'll take it. Like, once he's finally been approached about this, and it sounds like it's a real thing, he's like, I'll take it. But just so you know, I'm donating this to charity, because I do not want this for myself. Yeah. 
His and wife works at a, apparently, I don't, I don't know the exact details on this, but I think his wife works at a children's hospital yep. and decides to donate it to the children's hospital. Uh, so not only to a charity, it's to a fucking children's hospital. So <laughs> then he goes back uh, home, talks to his employers, and they're like, well, fuck, we'll match that. So now the $5,000 has become $10,000. Yeah. The story leaks out further. Games Workshop hears about it, and they're like, fuck, we'll match it. So now this... $5,000 initial donation to a children's hospital is $15,000. Yeah. And this this ability to talk about this situation um, where a guy gets fucked by a bad sport, yeah. turning around to, like, real money to a children's hospital. Like, sure, it's not going to buy him a new MRI machine or anything, but, like, that's going to go a decent ways yeah. to do something. Oh, totally. 100%. Like, I, I think that this kind of comes back to what's what's been interesting about tournaments like the LVO and I think in a lot of ways Adepticon probably has some of this too and Nova is they they get so big it's impossible to do the best sports award right because there's zero bombing yeah and not only that you have um, you just logistically cannot do it you will have so many ties mm-hmm. yeah you got 500 players and you can only rank your six opponents that you played you're gonna have uh, one sixth have best sports votes, give or take, right? Like it's just that's mathematically how it's gonna work out. Like realistically, fifty players is kind of your hard cap of where you can do it. Yeah, totally. In any meaningful way. Exactly. So the the thing that I find interesting is they've sort of almost incentivized. Like I think if you had some sort of award like this for these large tournaments in the top eight or your your final televised like hardcore games, like the the best sport award for those final players that's given out sort of by, I don't know, the community of some sort. And I, I'm not proposing any sort of like way to, uh, to make this work. I have one, but Holy crap. Would that be cool? Super easy. End of the tournament. If there's one of your opponents you think is worthy, nominate them right down the situation. TOs determined. Yeah. But even so at like, at, I'm, I'm 500 players. I think that's still hard to do, right? Like, not everyone's gonna. Like, it's it's got to be that sure. like big thing. But either way, we're talking about there was a sportsmanship scenario at this big event. Yeah. And one of the things that I really like about it is that, like we were saying, this this whole idea of the shit that happened initially is completely secondary to what happens next. Yeah, totally. And we're not talking about. Could you imagine if this had not happened the way it did? how much negative press the hobby would have had. Totally. Of like, oh shit, I don't want to go to tournaments because of these assholes. Whereas now you're like, okay, so some of those guys are there. Yep. But what about playing against that guy? Yeah. That guy sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, hopefully I get to play against an Alex Fennell. Yeah. And the stories that I've heard about, so I've, I've in passing talked to Alex Fennell, he once played on a table beside me um, at one of the LVOs. Um, he... He is the guy that you want to lose to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's the guy that's going to kick your ass and be nice about it and help you out become a better player. Like, he, that's kind of the, the understanding that I have about that. You know, like, and that kind of comes back to, like, play a competitive game, play a tight game, uh, do your best, but you don't have to pull bullshit to win, right? Like, that's, that's, a, uh, that's just, like, sort of, a, I think, a misconception that a lot of people get caught up in, right? Especially, I think, locally here... 40k has had a bad rap for that where people get sort of the heat of the moment thing going on and forget that they're playing against another human being who's there to have fun yeah right like you both are going to have fun playing this game why why make it awful for both participants 
Um, and I, I just don't understand that mindset. I do understand where that feeling comes from, like where that action comes from, but I'm, I'm really hoping that that's something we can, we can sort of push forward with in, in other, uh, tournaments and other gaming scenarios. Absolutely. Um, so it was kind of a little bit shoehorned in there. I just, I know we hadn't really talked about it and I, I really want to do the shout out for it cause it's, it's such a great thing to have happened in the community. Yep. Uh, and yeah, coming from that place. Well, it's not a great thing that happened, but it's a great resolution. The outcome is amazing. Yeah, totally. I the agree. outcome is fantastic. Yeah, totally. Um, now, I want to go do a complete 180 and talk about Mike Speeds. Yeah. <laughs> really? You had to lead it that way, did you? Well, 100%. You we did. are literally going to talk about your new beads. My glass beads? Yeah. My glass micro beads. Micro beads. We didn't talk about the size. Yeah, that's it. Okay, uh, but basically, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll lead right into this. We'll, we'll lead into on this problem. Segway is well for suckers. There was a uh, a golden dealer, demon winner in uh, 2016 who painted the what is it? The gut rot spume. Yep. Yeah. And basically, this gentleman used water effects uh, and thin nylon and micro glass beads to create some amazing slime. And water effects on his model. Uh, this was actually a lot harder for me to get in Edmonton because everybody I talked to says, "Oh yeah, you get it from somebody who does nail art." Okay, none of the craft stores are selling glass micro beads. None of the nail places are carrying clear micro glass beads. So I had to huh. had to order online and get it that way. But over the process, it took a couple of months to get this, basically. But this, with this effect, it's you can make some amazing slime and water dripping effects. That is amazing. It's just I'm really excited to try this out. It so looks, how do you actually do this? Like, do you take the nylon string and like drag and you it attach these? it and attach it to one bleed, then you attach the other end to where it's going to be dripping, and then you're going to do some coats of water effects over top of it. And if you want it to be a different color, like you want it to be slime, then you're going to add a little green or a little brown or a little. So how do you actually it. like get the 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 beads on the string? A little dab of super glue. Okay, gotcha. All right, and bang, bang, and you do both ends and what? I'm trying to make a shitty joke. You're doing a really shitty job <laughs> of it too. <laughs> no, okay, but the entire idea though, right, is to like water effects when you have them like. Typically not flat. It's really hard to get that like foam droplet effect going on. Yeah, and this yeah. could go both ways. It could be uh, from forming a drip of slime coming off a tentacle to a spray of water coming up where you have droplets flying in the air. Oh, so squirting in both. Yeah, so you can do both kind of effects. But to me, I'm always like, uh, I get excited about trying new things out, and this is this is the new project. That I yeah, really like they did try. this on the like the surf, like you can see on this one model. This, yeah, that's the one that I was talking about the spoon. Yeah, this guy who's standing right. on the boat or whatever. Like he did this. The like it looks like it's sculpted water. Like typically when I've I've always seen water effects, it's been like Envirotex or one of those clear resins or acrylics or whatever. Um, this guy doesn't seem to have the clear acrylic going on. Like, it's an actual sculpted and painted surface of water. Yeah. But then he's used, like, the foam white caps to represent the clearness of the water. Yeah. Okay. So, glued on top of that are these beads and then stretched out to the tem- tentacles. So, it really gives him uh, not not just, like, cool water effect. It gives the illusion the of motion of the object in the water, which is something I've seen on a lot of historical scale models and, like, military stuff. And, and like, uh, there's that famous... I think it's a Gundam that's like in the water and there's kids playing on it. Like one kid's fishing off of it. 
I believe I've seen that, yeah. And uh, there's that one with the submarine that looks really cool. Too. Yeah, and this is the kind of... Well, the one with the exploding yeah. submarine? Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. my God, that thing's insane. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah that, that is absurd. I don't know if that one has any of that particular... No, 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 it effect. doesn't. It doesn't. It's like the yeah. implosions and cavitation yeah. bubbles and craziness all, like, into the water effect. I don't know how you even do that. That it's is mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but nonetheless, this is a great way, I think, of getting that, like, you know, the heroic scale stuff that we're doing. Yeah. Getting motion out of your water uh, water effects, which is something that's really difficult. Like, I could see you doing this where you have a model walking in a puddle and having, like... Yeah, the little splash effects yeah, and dots exactly. spray out in the corner. Yep. Because I'm sure we've all seen that where somebody does, like, a big centerpiece, like a Wraith Lord or something that is, um, like, walking through a puddle on the base, but it's completely still flat surface of the water. Yeah. And it doesn't look immersive as a result. <laughs> Just realized immersive. Good joke. Uh, nice. But, um, yeah, it... it it is counterproductive, no matter how well you do that water effect and paint it nicely and all the rest of it. If it's a d- dynamic running pose, but the water is not reacting to the foot that's splashing yeah. through there, it looks weird. What I like about that is the the thing about the Envirotech side of things, or like the again those clear, clear acrylics. Yeah, that's cool. Is you you can never sculpt that. Like it's impossible to sculpt Envirotechs. Really, it dries. Yeah, it's self leveling. Level. Exactly. Yeah, that is, that's level. a feature on the box. And if you sculpt it, you just ruin any translucency on it. Like, So I, I really like this idea of being able to sculpt your water and still give it that yeah. transparency. So I think these are really cool. Uh, I'm excited to see what you do with it. It looks time-consuming as fuck <laughs> to make that work. Like... I think I got These my other speed down really good so I can slow down once cool. I want to do this. I can only imagine how long it takes to like actually get the shape <laughs> out of like a droopy... <laughs> Do you know what his first thing was? He didn't use the clear nylon. The guy who did this used to pluck his white hairs out and use those. <laughs> Jesus. Like, you're set, Mike. Yeah, I, I got enough for a lifetime, buddy. Uh, no, I'm actually really excited to play with this, too, because, uh, like, the plan, and I was talking to Mike about this yesterday, is that I'll get my entire Nurgle army painted up with, like, the blood effects, uh, but otherwise not a lot of extra goop. Yep. And then once the models are painted and I'm happy to play with them, then I'll start playing with some more of this, like, making sliminess coming off of them. Which is fun. And you can't really ruin a model with that stuff, especially if it's a Nurgle model. Like, oh, he got slime in the wrong spot. No, he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure there's multiple orifices for that slime to come out of on those models. Exactly. Um, And so it's going to be really fun to try clear, try tinting it, try and get, like, different things, which will help with otherwise pretty flat and soft models, getting some extra... I just had an idea. So this is kind of like one of those new modeling products that like a lot, a lot of people like probably haven't heard of. Um, I'm assuming another one that's probably not as common is the the crushed glass for snow. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anybody do sloppy melty snow. I, I wonder if it's you could rare, do it too. But that I've, would work well. I've seen it done. It's if done you mix well. in on a couple very, very, high end like crystal very, brush kind of models. Rarely. Sure. But I could see this being a really cool thing to do with that. Yeah, and it is something that you could do before if you're mixing in a lot of some of the clear, like, artist gels and stuff like that with a little bit of the crushed glass. But I, I, I think even there are some people that I've seen use microbeads for snow effects. Yeah. Especially for that slush. Totally. Because um, one of the things that I've always wanted to do is that that sort of scene from Band of Brothers where they're in the Ardennes forest where it's, like, springtime, slushy, muddy forest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never seen that that sort of thing done really, really well. I, know I might not have seen those pieces that you guys are referring to, but I could see combining these two techniques being a thing that would be really cool. 
It could be really interesting as a side note on the death core of Krieg army. A hundred percent. Yeah, like having sl- like snowy slushy trenches. duck boards, like or hounds. Yeah, having a duck board that a model ste- uh, stepping on. Yes, they actually are called duck boards. Um, and having the water squish out the sides would be yep. pretty neat. Pretty neat for trench stuff. Oh, there's a lot of cool stuff I think you could do with this. Yes, I know. That's why I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> also. Um, Anything else to talk about on this? I think no, it's no, it's it's pretty new, but I'm I'm just really excited to try out all the different things. Like you said, you could do slime, you could do normal water, you could do muddy water, drool, drool. Basically, what this model has is like drool, effectively. Like, yeah. No, I think the slime is pretty slimy. It's kind <laughs> like I don't want to call it. There's a mouth there that's out of the side of his body. Like it's not his head mouth, but there's like a. Gaping, it's a Nurgle model. There's multiple mouths. There's a gaping wound of that is a mouth. Nurgle's like the Oprah of mouths. Everybody gets a mouth that's probably infected. <laughs> uh, but yeah, totally. It's not like drool coming out there. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. Drool will be good. But uh, yeah, so I wanna I wanna finish this episode with one thought. What? Um, and it's gonna be a segue into our next episode. Okay. So, faction eighty and forty k may be kicking in for me. What's that? What? Faction ADD. What? 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 He wants a different what? army? What? No, no, I'm going to get the Nurgle done. Okay. But fuck, I'm excited for Tau. That's been another episode of Hobbit in Canada. We'll see you next time. I'm Tom. Dan. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm Steve, and I'm so happy. <laughs>